You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Something I've been wanting to do for quite a long time. Um, potentially going to get to the uh, press conference with Jordan Love and whatnot, but something that's been on the back burner for a little bit too long. And, and I, I, I don't like that we haven't talked about the prospects enough. We definitely need to spend more time doing that. So that's what we're going to do. If you remember, Bob McGinn did some uh, scouting and whatnot, or not, not some scouting necessarily, but talking to NFL scouts about different players. And we kind of went through some of that. And I got to be honest, man, it, it, it just, it's staggering to me. You know, again, we, we put these guys sometimes on a pedestal in terms of their ability to scout players. Um, I will say this, the vast majority of the comments, if we start with Lucas Van Ness, are very negative. Um, obviously, these are not Green Bay Packers scouts. One of the issues I have, though, is several scouts bring up the fact that he never started. Um, the first AFC scout, for example, says, how do you take a guy that high who's never started a game? There's another... Uh, NFC scout, if you don't start at Iowa, there's a problem. What are we doing here? The guy does not start at Iowa. And he says, the reason is he isn't any good. No, <laughs> that's literally not the reason why he didn't start. He played more snaps than all the other guys because he was better than them, than the quote-unquote starters. You absolute moron. This is an NFC scout. So, I mean, you know, again, we can go through this and, and listen to what they have to say. But it's just, it's crazy to me because I'm looking at this going, man, oh man, you know, we got insights from NFL scouts. This is like supreme insights and they don't know what they're talking about. But the bottom line is, because there's, geez, I don't know, one, two, three, four, there's probably 10, 15 different scouts. I don't want to just read them all. You can get a subscription over at golongtd.com if you're interested in reading that. I think you can get a free subscription, but um, obviously there's some variation, some good, some bad. Potentially even some Packer scouts in here. I don't know. It's just NFC and AFC scouts, it says. But the consensus between the good and the bad is, number one, he's, I don't want to say raw, necessarily. I don't want to give the impression that he can't play. It's that he's kind of one-dimensional. He's just a raw power straight line guy. 
I think some of the people are concerned that maybe he'd be better inside, whether that's be just for now or forever, because he's not necessarily a bender or anything like that, but that there's considerably more upside and, and, and what he is now is not, you know, clearly what you're after. But I'll read a couple of these. I'll, I'll stick on more of the positive. Why not read the negative? Well, first of all, because obviously these guys are idiots. Maybe the guys that are positive are idiots too. I don't know. But the other side of it is I want to know what the Packers saw in him. I can read comments about this guy's not worth drafting. He He's compared to a fourth-round guy, blah, 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 all this nonsense. But that doesn't help anybody. But here's a couple. This is an NFC scout. I compared him to George Karloftis. Good football player right there. The Purdue guy last year. Tall and athletic. I thought he was powerful. Has some position flexibility. He can re- uh, reduce inside. I like his length. Love his motor. High ceiling. Needs time to get the job. Uh, needs time on the job to get a little better with his hands. Didn't love his change of direction. If you ask me who could be the best off the edges after Tyree Wilson, I'd say him. Which is funny because there's another guy that certainly wasn't listed yet. Tyree Wilson and then him. Uh, another one I really like, and I've seen this a couple times, but uh, the comparisons to J.J. Watt. NFC Scout says he's got a lot left in him, really. Really good athlete, big, wired right. He's in that 15 range. That's where he belongs, and he'll be a really good player. There's some J.J. Watt comparison. J.J. is probably the most similar to what he is. AFC Scout, he hasn't played a ton. I guess his dad pushed him to come out. His dad's an interesting fellow. He's yoked up. Of the top edges, he's the most powerful. He's really strong. He can hold the point. That's actually pretty impressive considering Tyree. Tyree's a strong dude. He's got an explosive power rush. He's the grittiest, grimiest of the top edges. He can be a 3-4 backer. His best football is ahead of him. It's kind of crazy. You wonder why didn't he play more. AFC Scout. Big, long, powerful, high motor. My only concern would be the transition going against NFL bodies from what he was going against. Good football player. The power is what flashes for me. Violent hands. Strong bull rush. Gets knocked back. He could rush inside. I do like him. Likes the game. Not a vocal leader. They said he's one of the hardest workers on the team, and I love that You know him being next to Rashawn Gary. Um, gets me pretty jacked up. Says he can be a five technique. I wouldn't want him standing up because I don't think he can move and cover in space. They knew what they had in him. They didn't want him to start this year thinking he'd come back. They won't ever admit that, but that has to be. It's not like he wasn't playing. He still played 50 snaps a game. NFC Scout, again with the J.J. Watt stuff. He says he played up and down the line in the Ohio State game. You see him as an edge rusher against Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Then he comes inside. This guy is all ball, all A-plus across the board. He's raw. He doesn't know what he's doing yet as a pass rusher. He will take some time. He's got some traits like J.J. Watt had. So again, we, we all pretty much have a, a, a good handle on the thoughts on our buddy Lucas Van Ness. Big, strong, powerful, probably has what it takes to start on in some capacity as a rookie. And then from there, it's just a matter of building on this frame of his and going from being a contributor to being a freaking terrorizer. Anyways, then we get to Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State. 66251 ran a 4.56. Wonderlick of 30 is extremely high. I didn't realize that from Bend, Oregon. His score on the Wonderlick test was the highest among the top 20 tight ends. AFC Scout, he's a he's more of a complete player than Kincaid. He's good enough as a blocker. He'll try to do it. Helped himself down in Mobile. Somebody could take him bottom of the first, but he'll probably be second round. Got to love hearing that. More complete than the guy that went number 1. First-round player, but probably will go in the second, and that's where we got him. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> These scouts, man. Old, crusty freaking guys. AFC Scout says, 
He only played in the first two games of the season and was injured. In those first two games, I was shocked. He was talented. I had never heard much about the guy. In those two games, he was totally amazing, and then he ran 4-5-6. Good receiver and a good blocker. He's uh, big and has 10 and 3-8-inch hands. His uncle, Bill Musgrave, quarterback and coach. Bill Musgrave is a jerk. <laughs> That's it. Uh, NFC scout. People are thinking he might even run in the 4-4s. He may be falling just a little because of injuries. Good athlete, catches the ball well, good route runner, not a great blocker. Uh, he can be a good player. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't understand what the 4-5 whatever was, but if the rumors are true about his speed, there's no way he's not a 4-4 guy. AFC scout. If Kincaid slips, then Musgrave, who's more of a height, weight, speed prototype, might end up the bottom of the first. He's got real size, real speed. What he doesn't have is top-notch production. This year, he's going to show uh, that he can make contested catches, but he got hurt after two games, so he wasn't able to demonstrate that. Somebody might be willing to roll the dice on him in the late 20s. He's very gifted, just a well-rounded athlete, just hasn't put a lot of football on tape yet. So a lot of guys are saying this is this is a potential late first-round guy. If Dalton Kincaid falls, this could be the first tight end off the board. It's just kind of a big question mark because, again, when we looked at PFF, he was like four years in college with basically nothing. Then he just completely breaks out this year, puts himself on the map, and after those two weeks of just domination, he gets injured. Which, I'll be honest, may end up working to our benefit. Because there's a good chance if he finishes the season continuing to play like that, he doesn't make it out of the 20s. NFC Scout. I love, by the way, I'm not even skipping negative ones. Lucas Van Ness was like 60% negative. These are all positive, at least to some degree. NFC Scout, he only played the two games this year. He doesn't have much body of work. Usually, I kind of write those guys off. He's super talented, athletic, quick, can run, just a loose, natural athlete. The ball skills are just easy for him. He's had injuries and all that, but just watching him move around and play, he's talented as all hell. The blocking is terrible. He's not going to be a blocker. you got to live with that. If you're willing to say, we've got a Pro Bowl talent tight end receiver and live with the poor blocking and body and injuries, then you've got uh, to work with the guy. Finally, NFC scout, very good length, not much of a blocker. He'll be a mismatch in the receiving game. He dropped more than he should have at the Senior Bowl. It might have been a little bit of rust. So everybody really likes Luke Musgrave and seemed to think that this guy probably should be drafted in the first round but may end up falling into the second. For, for I mean, again, not even necessarily because of him, because he was injured and we didn't really get to see the full season. It, it seems to be a consensus that he is a first-round talent, but the question marks dropped him into the second, and the Packers snagged him. Again, I didn't have to skip any scouts on that one. I mean, they're they're nitpicking about uh, blocking and whatnot, but that's about it. Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State, 5'11", 189, runs 4.47. Wonderlick was a 10, hometown of Naperville, Illinois. They've always got these fact-stat things from... Uh, Bob McGinn, I've been skipping him because they haven't been super interesting because it's just stats and whatnot. But he does say for Jaden Reed, my top-rated return specialist. Returned punts in 2018, 2021, and 2022, averaging 15.3 and scoring three touchdowns. Handled kickoffs from 2019 to 2021, averaging 20 yards. So I don't think it was PFF's top guy, but um, according to McGinn, this was his favorite return specialist, which is pretty cool. Not that that's what I want him for. I want him to be a great receiver, but I'm just saying this is pretty cool. A uh, quick one from the AFC scout says he's not bad. He might have been the best receiver at the Senior Bowl. NFC scout, he was better at the Senior Bowl and the Combine than on his tape. Good, solid receiver. He won't be a household name, but he'll be a real good player. 
Got a note from actually an NFL special teams coach on this one. Says he's one of the top couple dual returners. He's one of the top punt returners, and I also think he's a solid kickoff returner. He's a little less as a kickoff returner. He's a starter in both. So there's a lot of positive comments here, but most of them they end up saying third or fourth round. So, for example, uh, NFC Scout says, when you're talking about Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison in the first, I'd rather take Jaden Reed in the third. He's like the same player. So it's like a backhanded compliment. He's like the same guy as Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. So, yeah, I'd rather take him in the third. Well, then why would you wait until the third? AFC Scout says, undersized, got speed and burst, good run after the catch, hands were average. What separates him from the pack is he had good body control in contested situation given his size. He'd go up there and pluck it with a, uh, up there and pluck outside his frame. He could be a starting returner as well. He can do both, but he's a better uh, punt returner. He's got good vision and speed to at least contribute there. So it's all positive, and then he ends, adds fourth round. <laughs> Uh, Tucker Craft, 6'4 254, 473, Wonderlick 27. The tight ends are pretty intelligent here. One NFC scout says he's a notch below the top players. He tested and ran well. He's not quite polished as a receiver, had some drops. Not as tough after the catch for as big as he is. He'll be a number two, but certainly could get a lot better. Uh, he still goes early round three, maybe late second round. I think that'd be overdrafting him a little bit, but he'd still be a solid player. AFC Scout says it's sad he got hurt in the first game against Iowa. He came back and played, and they won the championship of that division in the FCS. I thought he was a much better blocker and the same type of receiver as the other guy from that school, Dallas Goddard. He's stronger physically. He reminds me of Rob Gronkowski, the way he's built and the way he moves. He played H-back, lined up in the backfield at times, excellent receiver at all levels. He actually went down the field. Somebody told me he got offered big bucks to go to Division I school after his junior year, and he turned it down. It paid off because they won the national championship. I like him just as much as Michael Mayer. He can be the best of the group. Again, these scouts are so freaking all over the... And, and by the way, I hate to discredit it as we go through it. Everything I said about this draft thing being a complete crapshoot is just demonstrated here. You got an AFC scout saying this could be the best tight end of the entire class. You got other guys saying that he's a, a third-round player he's okay <laughs> i just i don't i don't know another afc scout says he's not dallas goddard who went in the second round of the eagles but he is a powerful runner he makes people tackle him he's not the sharpest guy so he needs some individual coaching but he's got real potential to become something in a year or so well, that's nice colby wooden 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 whatever 64 283 482 wonderlick 18 from lawrenceville georgia another one where we're doing a lot of skipping not very popular among the other scouts. One AFC scout said he should pay admission to the game because he just stands and watches. But one F NFC scout says, good player. I think he can play some base end and go inside and sub rush. He's got some three technique uh, tools if he can get big enough. He's a third rounder, solid inside player. AFC scout says he's a real good player. The whole scouting approach has done him a disservice. It goes back to Auburn. He was playing inside, but they had another guy, Andrew whatever, he got hurt, like, third or fourth game. Then they started playing Wooden at defensive end. He was at 287, I think. Then, when that happened, he dropped some weight to play outside. Then he gets to the combine, and they give him, uh, they have him in the defensive end stack, and he was 270, actually 273. Really, he's, 200, he's a 285-pound three-technique tackle. He was 278 at the pro day. Is he the most physical player? No. Apparently, he said he wants to play end. We had him in the second or third round. I, I don't know if he'll go that high now. He's a very athletic guy. He was a big recruit last year after all the uh, Harson stuff, whatever that is. Florida State was ready to take him in the transfer portal, and Auburn stepped up and paid him a bunch of money. 
once that happened, he just sort of skated through. They can't coach these guys after that happens. Kind of a weird situation with him and, and kind of every defensive lineman we drafted as far as where do they play and the, the weight just fluctuating by 20, 30 pounds at, at, at a drop of a hat. You're inside, you're 280, and then we put you outside at, uh, what, 270? Anyways, Sean Clifford, 6218, 462, Wonderlick 25, hometown Cincinnati. AFC scout. He's going to make somebody's team as a backup and stay around and play for 10 years. He's smart and he makes good decisions, but not really physically gifted. Makes the majority of his throws inside the numbers, has a quick release, throws a tight ball. He'll be 25 on June 14th. AFC scout. He'll be in camp. He'll be great holding the clipboard and getting everybody lined up right. That 4-6-2 was good. And honestly, that's what we're talking about here. Holding the clipboard and getting everybody lined up right. Then we get to Mr. Dontavion Wicks. A lot of uh, lot of hype about this guy. I'm excited to dig back into him and give my own uh, revised thoughts, which we'll get to very shortly. But um, 6 one and a half, 205, 4 6 Wonderlick is 14 from Plaquemine, Louisiana. Uh, AFC scout, talented but raw. That 4-6 will push him down the line a little bit. I thought he'd run faster than that. Still learning how to play the position. He brings a basketball background. His problem is consistency with his route running, and that's exactly what I said the first time I watched him, and I talked about it on the podcast. I watched him, I'm like, this guy's awful. Like, he's just terrible. And then all of a sudden you see this route, and it's like, holy cow. It's one of those things where if he did that all the time, he would be way up on my list. But it was like I, I watched almost a whole game, and then you see the route, and it's like, oh, where did that come from? goes on to say his hands were inconsistent this past year. The whole offense struggled with the new offense they had this year, so they implemented a new offense. Right now, he can only play X, split end, and I don't know if he has the wherewithal to play all three spots. NFC Scout says, didn't play football until his sophomore year of high school. Still some rawness and room to grow. Good work ethic and extremely focused on ball. This is the most important thing. I I, I had wondered about this because when I read it, he's a basketball guy that really loved basketball. He didn't really love football. I think his brother kind of pushed him into it, and it turns out he was really good at it. So when when I looked at it and I th- saw this guy's really talented, but you just never really see it, on top of the fact that I don't know that he really wanted to play football, my biggest question was, does he actually care about this? So I love this, assuming he's right, because it really answers that question. But it says, um, and again, good work ethic is always awesome. We got a group of guys, you know, Romeo Dobbs and whatnot. Uh, Jordan Love, honestly, guys that are really, really focused on putting in the extra work. Says, loves ball and empties his tank with football-related activities. I freaking love that. Has good energy to him and teammates feed off of it. Wants the NFL in order to move his family out of Baton Rouge. Virginia was always a business decision. Approached it as an opportunity to help his family. So that right there is one of the, my favorite things that I've read in this entire thing. Number one, because I just, I've just i been very low on Dentavian Wicks. Number one, because I didn't like what I watched. And number two, because I just felt like I didn't know that he really loved football. But to hear that he has unbelievable work ethic, works really hard, and has really great motives, right? This isn't just about, you know, I, I, I'm doing this and I'm going to, you know, it's, it's I have to do this because I need to get my family out of Baton Rouge. Then we get to Carl Brooks, one of the more interesting prospects of the entire draft, one of mine and everybody else's favorite picks in the draft, as weird as it is. Six foot three and a half, 296 pounds, ran a 40 time of 508, and has a wonderlick of nine. From Lansing, Michigan, um, led the Falcons in sacks all five years, which we talked about, which is unbelievable. AFC scout, quick off the snap, moves with purpose. Wish he had a little more pop in his hands, but he doesn't uh, work him well. 
average athlete, obviously. Showed some stiffness at times, caused a lot of disruption, lacks the length. I like him. He's in day three. NFC Scout says he's a fifth-round pick. He got the combine snub. On tape, he looked like a jumbo edge player. He was 292 at the end of the season. He's got good coordination with his hands and feet, so he's got the natural pass rush to him. They played him at nose tackle and three tech at the Senior Bowl, which he never really done before. It was impressive to see him come off the ball and strike people inside. When you get some little man movement and little man rush skills in a bigger man's body, that's kind of a cool thing to take a shot on in the mid-rounds. Kicker Anders Carlson, 6'5", 219, didn't uh, do a 40 for whatever. Wonder Lick of 32, so we got a brilliant kicker. Hometown Colorado Springs, Colorado. For some reason, he felt the need to put in here that he has very small hands, 9-inch hands. Do kickers use their hands very much? I don't think so. Punters kind of do, but I don't know if big hands matter that much for that either. Actually, a hilarious note here from an NFL special teams coach. Says, he helped himself after the season. He got injured a year ago at the end of the season. Had ACL surgery. That's not hilarious. We'll get to that. Came back in remarkable time and kicked during the season. Then he hurt his shoulder at the end. The Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson, has a younger brother, Alex, as a freshman at Auburn that really pushed Carlson. So, two professional football players both have younger brothers that are at Auburn. Carlson won the job over McPherson. He said, I think Carlson did a good job holding him off. The anticipation was that McPherson would beat him out, but he didn't. Anders, Anders, did I say Anderson? Anders showed up and did a pretty good job. AFC Scout says, rare size, quick leg stroke with adequate rise and ball height. See, this is the kind of like scouting stuff for kickers that I'm like, I know there's something to it, but I have no idea. So it's stuff like this. Flashes leg strength to hit from 50 plus, but his accuracy dips. Consistency from 49 in. Level-headed kid with good mental toughness. Camp leg. Now we're getting down to less and less uh, scouting notes, but uh, Carrington Valentine, 5'11 and a half, 191, 444 speed, one to look at 13 out of Cincinnati. Only real relevant note here from an NFC scout says, I like the guy. He's tall. He's got feet and quickness and really good football background. Didn't have a lot of interceptions. He was more of a pass breakup guy, so you got to question his hands. His confidence isn't real good. That bothers you, just not a real confident kid. Excuse me, I'm tired. He's got talent. Um, uh, Bench Press, who gives a crap. He'll be gone by the end of the second day, it says. Wow. You know what else is crazy about this? This is scouts talking before the draft. So there's an NFC scout somewhere out there who believes that this should have been a second day guy. So what, what is the second day? First day is round one. Second day is round two and three. So this guy is expecting him to be gone round three. NFC scout, he's in the building as the draft is going on, watching this guy saying, dude, what are we doing? I just, I would love to see these scouts just screaming. You freaking jerks. I just hate the GMs. Then we get to Lou Nichols, another fan favorite, another one of my favorites. I don't know why. I just, I like running backs no matter what. Lou, Lou Nichols, running back, Central Michigan, 5'10", 220, freaking... This, this is a... Remember when this was a Gutekunst thing for a while? I completely forgot about that. There was a, a time... Every single running back that <laughs> Brian Gutekunst brought on this team was 5'10", 220. Like, every single one. It cracked me up. I forgot all about that. I got to go back and find that now. Because I think that was, like, not a thing for a while, right? Obviously, because I... Whatever. But uh, Gutekunst is back, man. I should have I seen this coming. Dang it. I should have looked for the 5'10", 220 running back. Picked him out, and I would have hit on this one. 4'6", 1", Lick 11 from Detroit. <laughs> Great note from an NFC scout. 
you've got to go back and do 21 film instead of 22 because he dinged up. He was dinged up a little bit last year. And then he says, that runs hard. We'll leave it at that. Anthony Johnson, safety out of Iowa State, 5'11 and a half, 205, 451. Wonderlick of 15 from St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, interesting note from an AFC scout. It says, homeless most of his childhood. Bounced around his high school coach's houses. Fun kid to be around. Genuinely a great person. Outstanding worker who has changed his body more than anyone else on the team. Came in skinny and underdeveloped. Worked his you-know-what off to add mass and muscle. Extremely tough. Plays through pain. Smart kid who can pick up without issues. Runs the show in the back end. Lacks explosive stop and start to close space instantly. Tight linear reactor. La- uh, lacks natural ball skills. Long strider. Lacks explosive twitch. I, I, My mind zoned out toward the end when we were talking about all that other stuff. I was just thinking about him being childhood. Uh, child. I'm reading childhood and I can't stop saying it. Being homeless throughout his childhood and living at his high school coach's houses. I, I just, I don't know. I love that he's on the team. I just love stuff like that. I love that he's he's just a he's just a worker. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll be a good football player, but he's a freaking worker. He has fought through adversity and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to get to this point. Good for him. AFC's AFC scout says good size and instincts, plays smart and tough, better straight line than lateral, backup type, has height, weight, speed to take a shot on. He's wired right, sixth or seventh round. Finally, Grant DeBose, wide receiver out of Charlotte. 6'2 200 pounds, 455. Wonderlick of 25, which is pretty high. Hometown of Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama. Only uh, scout comment, so we'll just read it. Mainly an outside receiver, but has good feet. Quickness and route running ability to play inside. Just two years of experience. High upside. A number four receiver early with number three ceiling. Has to be on special teams, not forced. Physical player with a mindset that translates well to special teams. Tough underdog mentality makes you feel him and uh, and won't be outworked. I freaking love that. We're just loaded with these guys. Not scared to hold guys accountable. Plays through pain. You, you know what else I love too? Uh, and maybe we'll get to it, but Jordan Love in his interview kind of talked about how it sounds like Christian Watson actually did not go out to California. He tried to get him out. I know Christian was in Florida working out or whatever. Um, and, and Jordan made some kind of a comment along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, you know, now that I'm the leader, I get a little bit more say in what goes on around here. And, and people right you know, when I say, I want you guys to come out work with me, I'm actually getting some responses now. And it sounded to me like he was kind of saying that there is an expectation as time goes on, that more people will be doing these kinds of things. But I, I just love it because Jordan is going to be sort of that leader that says, we're going to go out and do this extra work. And there's just a bunch of guys that I think are going to follow him. Dontavian Wicks, Grant DeBose, Romeo Dobbs. Hopefully you got Watson and the other boys in there with him. But I just love that there's that worker mentality. And again, even with Lucas Van Ness, right? He's a freaking worker. He's just He just works. And, and what, who does he have right next to him? Rashawn Gary. Obviously, you know, work isn't enough. You, you, at some point, it has to translate into being a good football player. But I, I do think that that is a prerequisite. You know, we, we got to have that mentality, and um, I'm just glad to have that those kinds of guys in the locker room. If nothing else, they can help contribute to a locker room so that the people that actually do have that potential and do have that ability are in an environment where this is the standard. And so they put in the extra work to become what it is that they can be at their at their peak. Any who's he, what's it? Uh, 
If why don't we go ahead and take a break? If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find more about what they do at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so why don't we just go ahead and do the uh, press conference with Jordan Love, and we'll see where we go from there. But uh, worth noting, I mentioned just yesterday about the Zadarius Smith thing. I was talking about Dalvin Cook and mentioned that Zadarius could also potentially be on the move, and he is, and it looks like things are maybe heating up with uh, Dalvin. I saw somewhere that it was reported, although it might just be a garbage account, but the thought is right now that he will just end up being released after June 1st. So, you know, look, I I, I, uh, I don't think Zadarius necessarily was peak Zadarius, although he did have a, a decent year last year. Um, and Dalvin obviously had a little bit of a down year. So it's not as though they're losing Justin Jefferson. However, you can't not acknowledge the regression here for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, th- this is still a hit. Zadarius is, is a powerhouse. And, and to lose that... When you already had a really, really bad defense, 
Um, and then losing Dalvin on offense obviously is also going to have somewhat of a negative impact, although maybe not massive. But um, things just seemingly going not exactly in the right direction. Although, if you if you look at the team and say we need to get younger and, and whatnot, like these guys are not necessarily a part of the future. Because let's be honest, I think the Vikings are more of a team that's rebuilding than the Packers are. When you look at that team, how many players do you look at and go, this is a long-term guy? you got Justin Jefferson, you got Addison, you've got Daniil Hunter, and a couple offensive linemen. Maybe the entire offensive line, I don't know. Maybe Hawkinson now. But they don't. They that, the other thing is they don't have a quarterback. You look at the Packers and be like, well, the quarterback is a quite well. We don't know if he's going to be good, but he is our quarterback. The Vikings don't have one. They need to tear down and rebuild the quarterback position, running back, and then basically the entire defense, with the exception of of Daniil Hunter. That's a rebuilding team. And so a rebuilding team looks at it and says, these guys are not our core guys. We have to start getting rid of them. Dalvin Cook is one of them. Zadarius Smith is, Smith is another one. And there's plenty of other guys that need to go out the door and be replaced by much more young, talented, promising prospects. That doesn't mean not good, right? It's what everybody's... I, I, just because we're rebuilding doesn't mean you're not good. Don't freak out. No, I'm not freaking out because it's not good. I'm freaking out because it's, we're not rebuilding. But it is true that... It doesn't mean that they're not going to be a scary team, but the reality is when I look at them, I don't see a team that kind of has all their pieces in place. They don't. They they have more pieces that need to be replaced than they have fully established guys, including the most important position, which is quarterback. So they are in that process, so I do think this is uh, the right move, but it is going to make them a worse football team. So first of all, with the Jordan Love thing, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Obviously, we'll we'll just try to find the highlights here but um as many people have pointed out the confidence is is a big thing he doesn't talk as though he's a backup you know he, he kind of had this demeanor to him i guess where he was he was confident but it, it didn't feel 100 percent confident it felt like you know kind of uh i don't know how to put it just kind of like a humble guy you know just patiently waiting or whatever but he's got this sort of let's just say he learned from aaron Rodgers real well I mean, he, he is in control of this room. If you ask a stupid question, he's going to give you a stupid look like you're an idiot. Um, even some of the answers, it just feels like, you know, this is, it, it's sort of the attitude of like, this is my team now. And that's a good thing, but it's also like, dang, man, where the heck is this? So we'll, we'll see if we get reports about him uh, interrupting Matt LaFleur in the middle of meetings and saying, no, we're not doing that crap. <laughs> we'll see how how much he learned from Rodgers and, and how far he wants to take it. But um, anyways, we'll start a couple questions in. Um, the question asked was, what's your biggest takeaway, which I don't even know what that... I was trying to... I always try to think, how would I answer this if I was the person being asked? And this is one I would kind of just shrug and go, I, I don't I don't know what, what that even means. What's your biggest takeaway since college until now? But anyways, here is what Jordan Love had to say. Um, I mean, I think... Since college and since I've been here, I've improved drastically. Um, just learning the scheme, learning how to play in the scheme, and uh, just improving myself as a quarterback. And I think I've improved in a lot of ways. And um, you know, I just try and keep building that, try and keep working at it um, every day. So. And, and again, this is not call it a highlight. It's not even that important. But I, I put it there because apparently some people don't even think about these things. Um, we're supposed to believe that because he had some struggles in college, because of some of his technique and because of some of his decision-making in college, maybe he wasn't the best, that we have to assume that he's not a good football player. 
Um, now, obviously, he's going to say that he's improved, but that's his biggest takeaway is that he's realized the amount of improvement. And, 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 and again, some of this is common sense. He's improved in his understanding of the scheme and how to operate within the scheme. Is that Would anybody even doubt that that's happened? Of course it has. If I sat in that room for three years, I could know that scheme inside. Now, it doesn't mean I can go on the field and execute, but we, we have to acknowledge, obviously, there's a lot of growth there, right? So it was good for just just to kind of hear him say it again, even though it's obvious, but it was nice to hear him just acknowledge, like, yeah, I, I because it also implies that he wasn't at a great place when he first came to Green Bay. Right? I mean, that's that's what growth is. It, it means I wasn't where I am now, but now I am where I am now. And the reason that's important is because even what people want to look, look at how he looked in camp. I still, I cannot get over when we first drafted him and how he was like, you know, it was him and who was the other, I don't even remember who the other quarterback was, but he didn't have the footwork down. Oh my goodness, look at how the other two quarterbacks, Rodgers and the other guy are just in perfect rhythm and Jordan Love is just naive, just a... It's like the guy has been here for eight minutes, but you know, again, it, it's it's obvious, but it's good to hear it because that that is the point. We know that the Jordan Love that we saw two years ago, three years ago, and even in college, although there were glimpses of like, dang, dude, this guy's got some talent. We know that that guy isn't the guy that we need. We saw glimpses against the Eagles of the guy that we need, and so you know, again, as, as painfully obvious as it is. Jordan Love has grown and has gotten better every single year. And and the other thing about that is we know two years ago he wasn't where he was supposed to be. We know last year he looked really good. We also seem to be forgetting that that was a year ago. So there is an additional year of growth. Now, maybe he peaked last year in terms of like that's that's like him at his best. I don't know. But there's no reason to believe, considering how big of a jump he took from year two to year three, that year three to year four isn't an even bigger jump, that we aren't going to see even a better iteration of Jordan Love this year than what we saw against the Eagles and even in the preseason which again I think the preseason was up and down but clearly it was one of those things you look at and go dang this is a different Jordan Love this is 4.0 last year was 3.0 next question is uh next one we're gonna listen to is centered around let it rip this so funny where I have this paused um but again it, it just kind of reiterates some of the same stuff yeah definitely um I think the term let it rip I mean it's hard when you first get here, you know, your mind is so flushed around so many different things, trying to learn a new scheme, um, trying to read the defense and understand where to go with the ball. So you're kind of thinking a little bit too much out there and you can't just play uh, freely. So the more you keep building, keep learning, um, that's kind of where I get that term, just let it rip. You know, you know where to go with the ball and just let it fly. And, and again, talking about the exact same thing, right? Well, he didn't look good because he, he, his mind, you know, and they talk about this with other positions too, where... Um, you want guys out there playing, not thinking, right? You, you don't want them to have to think. It should be somewhat automatic. And that's kind of what he's referring to. He was thinking too much. He's got too much going through his mind when he's out there on the field. Now, theoretically, obviously there's some thinking that still goes on, but the point is he's to the point now where he, he's comfortable enough within the scheme where he doesn't have to think so much and he can just react. See it, throw it. So that's that to him is sort of where the let it rip comes from. And again, when you go back and look at, for example, the Chiefs game or any other preseason games that you didn't like personally or I didn't like or whatever, that is part of the problem. You're not looking at a finished product and saying, this guy can't do it. And that's the problem. It's like if I were to go in the kitchen to make a cake and I, you know, 
throw some flour and some stuff. I don't know how you make a cake, but start throwing some ingredients together and somebody comes in and grabs a handful out of the bowl and it's like flour and sugar and yeast or whatever. And they're like, this tastes like crap. This is the worst cake I've ever had. You don't know how to bake. You're an idiot. It's like, dude, shut up for a minute. Okay? Freaking idiot. Go get me the flour because you just took some flour out and I kind of need that. Give me some time to finish. And if you don't like the cake after it's done, you can tell me. But for now, I'm going to need you to shut the heck up. You absolute freaking troglodyte. It's the same with Jordan Love. He, he, he doesn't understand what he's doing yet. He hasn't, he's not the finished product, and you're out there just ragging on the guy. Like, let's find out what he is at his full potential, and if that's not good enough, then we can say, okay, it's time to move on. But all this nitpicking up until this point is stupid. Next question, I love this, and I kind of alluded to this, um, but the question is, how has your training changed? And he says it really hasn't, but I love how this question ends. Nothing really changed. Um, Training-wise, prep-wise, I'm doing the same thing I've been doing. Um, I think the only thing that's changed is trying to get guys out to, you know, get some more reps to come throw with me and do things like that. Um, and it's a little easier being the starter to have guys come out. Um, so that's changed a little bit. So <laughs> what I love about this is what it tells me, number one, is that this isn't the first year Jordan Love has asked people to come out, right? He's, he's been doing this since probably since he's been here, asking some of the receivers and whatnot to come out. And what he's saying is, now that I'm the captain of the ship, people are actually listening, and they're willing to come out. So I love that. I love that it's like, you know, I, I've been telling people to do this, and now I'm in charge. Not actually in charge, but now that I am, people are going to start listening. You know, and, and again, it just goes to that sort of command. You know, there, there is an element of you're, you need to be the leader of this team, and you got to step up into that role. And you got to be the guy that, you know, kind of takes charge. And so that, that is a very, uh, I, I, I like that, that answer. Now that I'm QB1, it's a little easier to get guys to come out. So uh, next question is, is kind of, you know, you got a lot of young receivers. How do you feel about the guys and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think we'll get the opportunity to kind of grow together, um, kind of learn each other, learn what we like, learn what we want. Um, and it's easier with younger guys. You know, they haven't been around, you know, other guys that wanted a certain way, want things some to look like this. So um, it's easier to kind of get my point across of what kind of how I want things run. Um, but it'll be good. I think it'll be great to be around these young guys. What does- so <laughs> I like that, too, just because, you know, again, first of all, I'm QB1 now. So it's it's going to be sort of the way I want things. Again, kind of filling that Aaron Rodgers role of you know this is my team now which is a good thing you know again you you can't be a leader if you're just gonna sit back and not take control of things but the other thing that that was kind of seemed to be slipped in there was it's easier to communicate those things to receivers that are younger and, and haven't been around for a while in other words i would not be able to step up and talk to randall cobb and alan lazard and say here's what i want and and necessarily expect them to be receptive Maybe they would be, I don't know. But that seemed to be the point he was making. Next question, what does leadership look like to you? What is your style of leadership? My main focus is trying to bring guys along, trying to give everybody else confidence in themselves, um, confidence that I believe in them, I trust them, um, and just trying to bring guys up. You know, I never kind of want to be negative around guys. You know, we all, wanna, we all want the same goal. Um, we all want to be great. We all want to work together. And uh, just trying to bring guys along. Now, we'll see how that manifests itself. We haven't seen him on the field.
for all we know, somebody's going to drop a pass and he's going to MF him up all the way off the field. But from the sound of what he seems to want to do, it sounds like he's going in a different direction than Aaron Rodgers, right? Rodgers' Rodgers thing was, and he even said this, like, I've been around long enough. I mean, I remember, like, like it was yesterday when we drafted MVS and EQ and and, uh, Jamon Moore. He was frustrated and basically said, look, I'm I'm too old for this crap, man. I'm not going to sit here and baby these guys. It, 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 he went on a diatribe about it can't get any easier. It's it's a carded practice, which means the 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 practice is you're trying to pretend to be the other team, right? And you're given a route, and the route is written in our vernacular, so you should understand it. Run this route, and they can't get it. I'm not going to sit here and baby these guys anymore. They need to step up. And that was this whole thing. It was just you are expected to play at a high level. And that is a good thing to some degree, but there, I think there needs to be some grace for, for young guys. But again, we, we've all seen it, right? The, the hands on the hips, the shake in the head, the yelling and the, the hand motion, you know, the little, the, the, the run a slant gesture that he, that he has. Seemingly, Jordan Love will have a different attitude, but we'll have to see how that comes about when it actually gets on the field and things start falling apart, uh, how he handles these things. Next question is about those off-season workouts with Aaron Jones and whatnot and how important that is. Yeah, no, I mean, Romeo's out in California, uh, same as me. We kind of train with the same coach. Uh, so that, that one's easy. We've done that in the past. And then, So, first of all, Romeo's already in Cali, and apparently they've done this before, these off-season workouts, which, again, I, I just... The way I'm picturing this now is we assume that this was kind of a, a new thing. He's QB1. He's like, hey, let's get together. We need to start working on this stuff. He's been asking guys to come out to Cal... And, and listen, this, this is... It's one thing if you're Aaron Rodgers talking to Randall Cobb. You got two loaded guys. They can all jump on private planes and do all this stuff, no problem. Some of the younger guys, you know, they're at home. They have their own trainers and whatnot. It's maybe not the easiest thing. I don't mean to make excuses, but, you know, it's it's there's effort, and then there's, like, spend a bunch of money to, to train with me or whatever. Um, but it sounds like... Jordan and Romeo Dobbs were already... They're already in Cali. They're going to work out together. Remember, this is... Last year, um, obviously, would have been after the draft at some point. And there's Jordan saying, hey, guys, you want to come out? And prior to last year's draft, was probably talking to some of the other guys. Hey, come on out if you want to. I'll be out in California. We'll throw together. And the bottom line is there wasn't a lot of reception, right? People are not going out to work out with the backup quarterback. Then he becomes a starter, and people start taking it a little bit more seriously. Not, Not everybody, but some people getting Aaron out you know he he comes to California a couple times so he hit me up and you know just wanted to come work when we were out there but I think it's beneficial I mean anytime you can get extra reps um outside of here and just kind of work and and build that chemistry it's huge and again that's one of those things that doesn't even really necessarily need to be said but it's it, it kind of does I guess for some people but yeah extra reps are beneficial right practice makes perfect we've been hearing that since we were five years old it's just extra time. You work on your timing. You work on all these different things. I mean, you think even about Aaron Rodgers and MVS and how they could never get on the same page. How beneficial, honestly, how beneficial would it have been if Aaron Rodgers and MVS were working out in the offseason like every year that they were together? Think how think how amazing that would have been if they just got the timing down. Because Rodgers just could not gauge his speed for whatever reason. He doesn't seem to have a problem with Christian Watson's. That connection was, it like, just it never missed. I mean, Watson dropped a couple, but aside from that, Rodgers was just on the money with Christian Watson every time. I mean, he's on the money with pretty much everybody else, but MVS, he could not hit him to save his life. Think how beneficial that could have been. And even if it's something MVS is doing wrong, he could tell him. 
You know, you're slowing down at the end of your route, or you're, you're, you're angling, or whatever the case. Like, you got to stop doing that so we can kind of whatever. Get that ironed out. But instead, they go their separate ways. They have their own off-seasons. They have their own workouts. They do their own thing. Next question. Three years behind Aaron Rodgers, what'd you learn? I learned a lot. I mean, I learned, I was just able to watch a great quarterback, how he works every day, um, how he handles business in the locker room, interacts with teammates, um, just how he attacks every day. I mean, just being able to sit back as a quarterback and observe him, observe how, you know, his footwork, um, how the ball comes out of his hands, um, just how he practices every day, and then takes that into the game. Um, I mean, there's... It's just very valuable stuff that I was able to sit for three years and kind of just pick his brain on and just watch him work. So. And I think I think he mentions it here. I'm not positive, but just in case I miss it, um, one of the other things that came away was Jordan said that um, Rogers basically told him, "Call me anytime, any questions, anything like that." The one thing about this, as much as this process, I I feel like I clearly have not been on Aaron Rodgers' side in in the way that this has all been handled. Um, but the, uh, the, the one glaring difference between the Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers situation, despite the fact that they are almost identical, which is insane to me how, how identical they are. The biggest difference to me is the way that Jordan Love was treated by Aaron Rodgers compared to the way that Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers. Um, now, I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe Aaron Rodgers kind of antagonized that situation, but either way, Brett Favre came out and basically made it known, we're not going to be friends. Like, me and this guy, we're not really going to get along. I, you know, it's not my job to sit here and babysit this guy or whatever, and that may have been taken out of context, but whatever. It seems as though the, the one thing Aaron Rodgers did want to make sure that he did differently than that situation is to make sure that the way he treated Jordan Love was different, right? He obviously was pissed about Jordan Love getting picked up, but he never allowed that to translate into the way that he treated Jordan Love, knowing that Jordan Love wasn't the problem, right? Gutekunst, problem. Jordan Love, not the problem, right? At least the way Aaron Rodgers uh, envisioned it. So, I mean, that that is definitely something to be appreciative of as a Packer fan is the fact that he did take Jordan under his wing. He did teach him everything there is to be taught and answered every single question there was uh, to be answered and, and just by virtue of him being the quarterback and helping Jordan Love develop and then of course even now with the uh, the offer to you know please call anytime you have a question about uh, the offense or whatever which I, I would assume is still going to be incredibly valuable to have him as a resource next question again is kind of about the offseason and whatnot but it's a slightly different answer so I wanted to play it because uh, again I just I just like the mentality of the whole thing uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Romeo came out and Aaron came out. That was about it. Um, but we'll try and keep building that up, obviously, and keep uh, taking that into after OTAs and in this next portion of the offseason we have, keep trying to build that and get more guys out there. So I like that because, you know, again, it's just it's a consistent. And, and remember we read that article. Um, it was also, I think, over at Go Long, but talking to some of his former players, and, and, and this was just sort of the culture. These guys all work together, and, and Jordan would, would kind of push that, and the, and the other guys would kind of push it too. They would push each other, but Jordan was, he was always like, let's go work. You know, let's go out there, let's go work, let's let's do this, let's whatever. And he's kind of doing that in Green Bay. Like, guys, let's let's go put in some work. And he got two. He got Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones. And, and you know, it was California. Dobbs is already out there, and Aaron Jones, he said, takes trips out there multiple times a year. So nobody made like a special trip just for that. 
But he's already saying, like, we're going to try to keep building that. We got two guys, and then, um, you know, we still have some time this year. There, there are portions of, of OTAs and all that. So he's trying to, like, get a crew together, trying to get more, recruit more guys to be workers, you know, not just show up, do the drills that are mandatory uh, according to the coaches, and then go home and, and do whatever you do. Like, we want to go out together and, and put in some work together. So I just I just like that. And, and you know, again, it's the persistence of it. Like, well, we got two. There's going to be some more opportunities in the future, and we're, we're hopeful to get some more guys to be able to uh, to do that. He's, he's already looking to moments where he can have guys out there, and I know he's already working on it. He's already talking to guys about it because he already knows he has it in his head. We've got some periods coming up here and here and here where we've got some opportunities to do some more stuff together. But anyways, there, there were some other things in there. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to go through every single question and just listen to the whole thing. You can go over to YouTube, uh, just go to the Green Bay Packers page, and they have all these things laid out. I don't know if we'll, we might do Aaron Jones tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. But again, that, that, it's, it's a relatively minor thing, obviously. We, we need to see him throw footballs on a football field in an NFL game, right, for a season. But so far, I just like what I'm hearing, right? He doesn't seem timid. He... You know, and, and that's kind of the weird thing because I think even for us, and, and maybe it's just me, I don't know, but there is almost a feel of, like, it's not real. You know, like, Aaron was a quarterback. Brett was a quarterback. Jordan is, you know, I like Jordan, and, and he's a nice guy and all that, but he's he's not a quarterback. And I don't mean that to be rude. It's just, a, like, it's Aaron is, is this godlike figure. And I don't just mean, like, how people worship him. I just mean literally. I mean, he, he's... He's a larger than, and, and especially for Packer fans, you look at it and go, that's what a quarterback is. It's not just some guy that we drafted that nobody knows anything about. That's not, that's not a quarterback. It doesn't even make sense. And so for him to come out and have command of the podium and clearly command of the locker room, or at least at least trying to assert himself in that way of, of just saying, like, this is the way it's going to be. This is how I want it to be. Uh, these are my expectations and, and those kinds of things. You know, again, clearly learning that from Aaron Rodgers as far as what it means to be the captain of the freaking ship. It's good to see him do that because it's such a big jump, even for us mentally. To It's one thing to know that he's QB1. It's another thing to really feel it and believe it. And I don't know that I'm fully there yet. He's Jordan Love, the backup. He's Jordan Love that, you know, even though we knew that he was going to at some point take over, it's it's just a weird thing. You know, he it, when I say he's not Aaron Rodgers, I don't just mean in terms of his play. I just mean, like, he's not Aaron Rodgers, you know? And and, and again, for me, that's what a quarterback is. So it, it's a great first step to, to see him just immediately fill those shoes and say, I don't care what you think. This is what it is. It's my team. And as long as he's got the backing of the locker room and it's not just him throwing his weight around, that's a good thing. So I agree. I hope that we start to see now now that they're there. Um, if he decides, you know, we need to go out and do some work, that it's not just uh, Romeo and Aaron Jones out on the field. But excited for the team and uh, excited for the future. But I'm gonna get out of here. It's getting very very late. You guys have a great rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs>